year when you when we met in 1997, uh, we believe it was in the basement of my parents' house where I was living at the time. And you and you were with the band Hot Water Music, yes. who I think you just said it was your, the first time they were up in New York. So, which leads me to believe that it was probably definitely my house because if it was in New Jersey, because uh, uh, Chris was uh, we called them the Assheads, um, like <laughs> Rorschach and Assheads toured in nineteen ninety three down the East Coast. Right. Um, I didn't know him as Chris at the time. I knew him as Spanky, yeah. spinach, Spanky, and peanut butter. Um, Dave, Chris, and I actually forgot peanut butter's real name. Um, borrowed one of their mom's minivans and followed us up, up to New Jersey, and they were basically our roadies all the way back um, to Florida. And we called them the Halfheads because they were uh, uh, such. You know, instead of a deadhead, they were following ass like around. So they became <laughs> right. um, So you know, we we met there, and then probably you know kept in touch via mail because that was the way you kept in touch then. And then you know maybe email started, and then he was in a, he started a band, and then he was like, I know these guys, this guy from New Jersey, so maybe we could probably stay with him if we play up there. So that's how that whole you know, full circle oh, happens. Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, probably for three or four years, every time Hot Water Music was in the Jersey area, yeah. they probably stayed in, yeah. in, in my, you know, it, either at my house or very close to, yeah. or had something to do with, me, I had something to do with them being there. So, which was you know, such a, which was such a, an amazing thing, I think, about that time that I, that unf- I, I know it, it now, especially nowadays, no bands are touring at all, real at all. Like, and they definitely don't tour like they used to. I mean, that that's something that I miss about that time period. I mean, it was just so amazing that people were so willing to let strangers kind of into their homes. <laughs> that's the craziest thing to me is that, you know, like we, you know, you'd have four like freak dudes from Florida with huge beards, and you're like, "Yeah, come on in," you know. Like it well, was just what, such a <laughs> a funny a funny story about that is, it's, you know, we Rorschach toured with Born Against in 1991, wow. and we toured for 11 weeks, 76 days, and we only had to get a hotel room once. Holy cow! And when I came home for that tour, from that tour, you know, my my mom was like, "So where'd you stay?" And we were like, "We stayed with friends or people that put on the shows or other band people, band opening bands had places to stay." And she was so in awe about the fact that we only had to stay in a hotel once in seventy six days that she. She needed like right. something. She was like, "I don't think I think I want to offer my house up to be, you know, to pay to pay that back." Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And and you That's know, cool. I probably you know at least fifteen or twenty bands that we stayed with on our tour, maybe even more, ended up staying with us. Yeah. Um, with 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 my my parents' blessing. Yeah. You know, like. Uh, uh, 
because of the fact that you know the the hospitality had been extended on that tour, yeah. um, and they were appreciative of that. So uh, it's pretty pretty crazy uh, kind of full circle thing. Yeah. But, you know, on our first tour, we we played with all these bands that you know weren't they weren't small, but they weren't local big. You know, big local bands. You know, but not. International, not national or international at the time. Like, you know, we played with Avail in Richmond. We played with Endpoint in Louisville. We played it in Fest in uh, San Diego and Heroin and Downcast and you know uh, Sleep and all the, all uh, the bands that everybody wishes would be playing right now. <laughs> right, but but we played with them just like us early yeah. in our career. And wow. early in their career too. So we, but we played with them at their in their hometown. So yeah. just like you know, we would do. It's like you play in Richmond. We'll play with. We'll we'll put on the show and play so people come. Yeah. You know, and and you know wherever whenever we whenever we played a city on that tour, which there were actually more than I'd like to remember, that it was like Rorschach and Born Again and nobody else. Right. Um, <laughs> Not many people showed up <laughs> because we weren't the national right. act that, or or or, or uh, had that kind of notoriety where people, right. you know, were like, "Let's go." You know, we, we I remember playing in Atlanta once. Um, nobody coming to the, we played actually played that show at Longfish, but nobody really came to the show. Oh, wow. And we came. We went back to the we went back to the house we were staying, and all the kids the kid that house it was that was at the show I think he might have put on the show all his roommates sh- came back like an hour after us they had been at the Ramon show across town so <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what we were competing with we on that on that tour we had a we, we did what we called Fugazi man oh, because man. Fugazi was like Fugazi was two weeks ahead of us Jesus. so for like there was a whole week where people were, promoters would be like Man, I can't understand why seven people showed up to your show. We had like 250 people for Fugazi two weeks ago. So after about four or five of those encounters, we would show up to a show and be like, we'd show up to the place and find a promoter and be like, hey, how many people showed up for Fugazi? And they'd be like, 370. And we'd look at each other and be like, nine people are coming tonight. And we'd usually be right. (laughs) So what what is the, um, uh, what is the, uh, how did Rorschach, come about what's the what's the beginning stories of the of the band um so we were five members so me and keith the guitar player were in a band prior to rorschach and nick the other guitar player and andrew the drummer were in a band prior to rorschach um we lived about probably 15 miles from each other and we would see each other at shows and both of our respective bands broke up and we saw each other at a show and we were like, how's your band going? Oh, we broke up. So did ours. You want to do a band? And then we just kind of, it just kind (laughs) of turned into that. Um, And then we got the fifth member was like, at the time the fifth member was like a high school friend of mine. Um, And then then he got replaced later on. But uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, two terrible bands breaking up at a perfectly timed moment yeah. and uh, forming a band that we, you know, we ended up didn't thinking, we actually don't think it was terrible. 
<laughs> no, no, that's the thing. Um, like, did you, when going into it and like starting up, like when you guys first started writing songs, did you all like kind of look at each other and be like, we kind of got something here that's not like anything else that's going on, really? Like, you had this. So, so I would say that the first batch of songs we had were pretty terrible. Right. Um, but who's what band's first batch of songs aren't, right? right. So we, you know, we, we were kind of coming out of the late 80s uh, youth crew movement scene. Yeah. Um, so I think there was like a distinct recognition at some point where we were like, we had kind of, I, I don't know if it was like a light bulb moment at a practice, but, it, you know, we went from being a band that at practices were like, I don't know. I don't think people are going to like that part. Or I don't know. This is where the mosh part should go. Or the drum breakdown. Or this to being like, we don't give a shit. We like it. Right. We're going to just play whatever we want. And if other people don't like it, whatever. We, we've been doing bands long enough that people don't like. We don't care. Right. <laughs> and we exactly. just kept going forward being like, we don't... After that first batch of songs, we were like consciously being like, uh, we were consciously making the decision to write songs that we thought other people would like. Yeah. We we just, we started kind of pulling back from that and being like, we don't care if other people like it. We like it. You know, our one guitarist was like, I like Voivod. I like Slayer. I like Rosier Formity. That's what I wanted to sound like. Mm-hmm. Whether or not other people like it is not our concern. Right. Um, so this is what we're doing. Like it or, you know, and if nobody liked it, we would have packed it in and yeah. probably lasted a year. Yeah. But whatever we were doing and the timing of the whole ABC and Rio scene and yeah. being able to play in front of people that appreciated it, there, you know, there was a whole lot of uh, lucky breaks and lucky timing that made it so people were like coming out of that youth crew scene not wanting to hear that stuff anymore. Right. You know, be, you know that, that had kind of been like run its course and People wanted to hear something new, and here comes Citizens Arrest and Born Against and Marshawk and, yeah. you know, that, that ABC Norea, which, you know, by no means were we, quote-unquote, original and groundbreaking and right. doing something nobody had ever done before, but maybe we were doing something that hadn't been done, you know, in a, I, I put it in quotes, a generation of music, right. which was, you know, jumped, maybe jumped back over that scene that was going on in New York. Yeah. Maybe we jumped back five years and pulled pulled our influences from bands that that were around before that that maybe weren't so New York centric that were, you know, coming from other countries or coming from other cities right. that we just, you know, we were listening to and getting exposed to and you know, weren't embarrassed anymore to say we liked. Right. You know. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So, so what was your... So I think that, that helped. So, so if if Rorschach... You guys were in two separate bands. What was the band that you were in before Rorschach? Oh, you really want to know, don't you? I have to know. Um, <laughs> we were in a band... Keith and I were in a, a, a New Jersey kind of... Well, I would say yes, definitely skinhead-related band uh, called Bone of Contention. Okay. 
Um, we we did a demo of, awesome. of, of about a hundred copies. Right. If you ever find a copy, we used to sell them in front of CBGBs and at, at different shows around. Nice. And um, the drummer and guitarist was were in a band called Under Control. Oh, wow. um, so they were more of like a straight edge youth crew yeah. influence band. I think Bone of Contention was more of a we we like covered negative approach songs but had songs about unity and right. you know stuff like that okay. so that's awesome all right it was it wasn't good by any means right but you know i was we were but you were doing it probably 17 18 yeah and you were standing out in front of cbgb's trying to sell your stuff so i mean it's like that's well that was not that was the only <laughs> Not a lot of people can I say bought, that. <laughs> right. I bought probably an equal amount of terrible demos yeah. as amazing classic demos in front of CB <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I I probably have all of them still oh, because that was the way you got your music heard, you know. Yeah. For $3, you, you, dumped, you, you got a double cassette player and you dubbed copies and you... Oh, yeah. Uh, in my case, we, we did the covers in our high school print class so we had this like elaborate you know fold out cover because we had the we had the whole high school printing shop at oh. our disposal to do them and uh and we uh you know put three dollars you get seven songs and like it or not yeah there it up there it was and you know as much as we hope we hoped that that all of them had been destroyed and taped over you know they still <laughs> pop up now and again <laughs> yeah there it's funny how times uh, i have actually started uh like people like i find i start buying cassettes again just because it's um, it's just funny to me that there's still some around and then i've actually gotten some from some friends that toured all the time but you know don't have room for all this Music, so I've gotten these, a couple good of these good tapes from back in the day that I've just like, oh my right. gosh, I totally forgot this band existed. So, but no, it's a, it's a, it's a good memory. But Rorschach, you guys seem to have, you started, you both came from two different, sounds like two different types of bands, and then you created this sound, something that you guys were uh, really all. It sounds like you were doing it because you liked playing that music and it was yours what what was it like to tour and kind of be accepted in a sh I mean it, does it feel like a short period of time that people accepted you or did it seem like it took a while for people to catch on I think I don't know I, I you'd have I, I think I I only speak for myself, but I'm not sure the rest of the band would disagree. We probably didn't catch on until four or five years after we broke up. Oh, wow. Um, you know, in certain places, we were fine. Right. Like, Gilman Street was always, Gilman Street was always friendly to us, and we always did well there. We only played there twice three times if you count the reunion shows right. but back when we existed we played there twice right. Europe was friendly to us um, but the reality is we toured in 91 right after our record came out 
and Remain Today came out, and we toured in '93 right after Protestant came out. Right. So we weren't actually we were we were playing to people who may not have bought our records yet, uh-huh. and we were telling them to the people after they saw us. So it was hard to say, you know. And certainly there were people there that were like fans, you know, here and there, but. The coast, the east west coast was always friendly. And, you know, like I said, if you played, when we played Chicago on our first tour, we played with Screeching Weasel oh, so wow. we, and Los Crudos. So we played to a lot of people. Holy shit. I don't remember it. I don't remember it being like, wow, we sold 100 records tonight. Like that never really happened. Um, That's so, a good show to say you played, though. <laughs> right. But I, but I would also say, I would also argue that. There was probably a lot of Screeching Weasel fans that were like, right. when are you getting off? Because <laughs> oh, we want right. to see Screeching Weasel. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was, it, I, I don't know that we were, you know, I always make this joke and a lot of touring bands that have toured more than once probably have this experience. On our first tour, most of the places we played, five people showed up yeah. on our second tour maybe 30 or 40 people showed up mm-hmm. and they all said they were there the first tour yeah yeah so it's the math doesn't work but those five people maybe they went home and said to all their friends i just saw a great band i got their record you'd like them yeah and started passing it around or however that works and that five turned into 30 and then those 30 saw us and maybe after we broke up those 30s played it for their friends and then it became 80 or 90 and then we did our reunion shows and it was like 400 500 people we played to every time we played so so how was that for you to transition from transition especially between the time that you had off playing the reunion shows and do and stopping the first time like what was that like transitioning from playing those smaller shows to doing it so many years later and you're like you say you're playing in front of 400 people um i mean it was like playing one of the bigger shows when we exist. yeah like you know we played Gilman street yeah yeah totally we played the same venue it was just as packed yeah you know we played you know we played in we played one of those chaos and chaos shows yeah yeah so it was more like when we played in Europe, we played a couple times at MDC in 92. We played a couple shows at No Effects. So it was like kind of more like that. We played like, you know, to five, six, seven hundred people, right. but not for us, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. it was like, it was, the, the difference was it was weird because it was like for us. Yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, that was the only, that was the only little, little, um, Different. The, the the big difference was when we were when we played shows in the past. It was rarely if there were a lot of people there. It was rarely for us. We just happened to be on a show. Um, but you know now with the reunion shows, you know what ended up being maybe three, sixteen, seventeen years later, um, we were we were we were the headliner and there yeah. were people there. So I was like, wow, okay, there's people here to see us. Well, that's the thing uh, I was kind of saying earlier there were so many bands from that time period that were ahead of their time like it didn't quite hit the the words and the feeling 
didn't quite hit till the right time to the right people. You know what I mean? Like right. art, sometimes art takes a little bit longer and you need a, a, a different type of uh, a group of people or a younger group of people or like people are a little bit more like subject to that vibe that you guys were putting out there to actually, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like the, it's just like a time and space well, thing there, almost when it comes to it. Well, it also is acceptance, right? Like maybe when we were, when we were out there playing what we were playing, it was like, Oh, I like this kind of music. It's good, but not a lot of people around me seem to care. And then more and more bands started playing that type of music. So right. it was like, okay to like it. Yeah. You know, as bands that got bigger sounded like that and it yeah. was accepted and that's the kind of music now that people like. Right. Um, and they, you know, it's a natural progression. I mean, you not progression, natural regression, natural, natural, whatever you, you like a band or I, if I, if I like a band, I might say, who does, who does it? I like this band. Who are they influenced by? Right. Well, they're influenced by this band that existed five years ago that named this. And that band was influenced by a band five years before that <laughs> named that. Right. And I would, you know, try to trace it back and, you know, hit upon a band that wasn't popular when they existed, but now is popular because people trace it back. I can you tell know? you, I can tell um, you what my first band sounded like: a shitty hot water music. <laughs> and I would tell you that I would probably, you would probably, if you asked the guys in hot water music, what did hot water music sound like when you first started? They'd say we sounded like shitty hot water music. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> seriously. That's, that's, but you find you you keep playing and you find, you know, I think, I think there comes a time and if if a band stays around long enough, where it becomes like everyone, I think a lot of bands have that moment where where they say to themselves. Uh, I want to play, I don't want to play, when we started this band, we were playing music that we thought other people wanted to hear. Right. Now I just want to play music I want to hear, right. you know? So, and that's usually when they turn into a good band because it's, they're playing music they like, not music they think other people will like. That, yeah. That's, and I think a lot of bands have that progression. No, no, for sure. You know, there's, a, there's a, this stereotype of like everybody always being, you know, saying like, oh, I like, yeah, I like them, but I like their first record better. I like their first record best, you know, because that's when they were their mo most pure and raw. Right. But bands, you know, aside from bands that are on, there are a few bands, and a lot of them get big, don't get me wrong, that sound like the same band on their first record as they do on their eighth record. Yeah. But as so, I mean, I'm never, my voice was never, my voice changed between records. It wasn't conscious. It's just what it sounded like. Right. Um, but our guitar players and drummer and bass player, they, they just, they wanted to play. They wanted to be, okay, we did that. We got to that level of extreme. Now we want to go to the next level of an extreme. And they just kept wanting to get more extreme. 
And so when did, so, when did you feel the first time around that, um, what was the reasoning for you guys stopping in the first place? The, the short answer is when you're in a van with people yeah. for, at that point, 11 plus 8, 19, and it was 27 weeks over a three-year period. Yeah. We had played we had played 250 shows. Wow. I think over three, over a four-year existence. Yeah. It just got like, it got, you know, everybody had a different, well, they also had a different idea of where, where they wanted the band to go. You right. know, they wanted, some people wanted to play bigger, some people just wanted to play bigger shows. Some people didn't want to be in a van anymore and, play to 50 people I didn't necessarily yeah. either but you know I think just we, there was this conflict there, there were points in the band where you know you could say what uh, you know where do you want to go eat I don't know where do you want to go eat yeah. Taco Bell I don't want to then I don't want to go eat there right. because you want to eat there you know yeah. I mean it just I've got like it. it got like <laughs> right exactly so <laughs> And it's natural, yeah. and you know you leave you leave that band being like, "F all them." <laughs> I can't. I you know I I can't stand anybody in that band anymore. Right. And then three years later, I start a band with the guitarist again. Right. And fifteen <laughs> years later, we're like, "Let's do this again." You know, right. like it, time heals all wounds, and you just it's just something that just you know you when you're when you're when you're that close or that 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 kind of intimate with all those people in the small space, uh, it gets, it gets, it wears you down. So you, so you said you stopped that and then you started a band again with a, a, the, a bandmate from Rorschach. Well, you say three years later, what band was that? Uh, Nick and I were in a band called computer Kruger. Okay. Um, with the drummer born against and a, another, a different high school friend of mine. Oh, wow. Um, and we, we lasted about two or three years. And Nick, uh, Keith went on to do Kiss a Goodbye or Dead Guy before that, but then Kiss a Goodbye with Andrew and Tom from Rorschach. So yeah. three years later, four years later. Wow. So, you know, it, you you love these people. They're your, like, best friends. Yeah. But sometimes you need a little break. Yeah. But then um, it seems like and, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do without each other for too long. <laughs> well, you have you have this. I mean, what, no, you don't want to get. I've been I've been friends with and playing music with Keith since we were like seventeen years old, right? Maybe eighteen. Yeah. We just turned eighteen, but we might have been seventeen when we started. Wow. And that's like, you know, I'm I just turned fifty. <laughs> so that's like a, that's an insane amount of time. Right. That's a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of mental, physical growth. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of change and uh, formation of ideals and formation of, 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 of a lot goes on between those years of seventeen and fifty. Yeah. But to be able to say I'm still friends with somebody I was friends with when I was seventeen means you have a pretty strong bond with them. Yeah, um, for sure. And you've been through a lot, so 
nobody, maybe maybe now aside from my wife of who I've been with for 21 years, um, thank you, who uh, could say they know me as well than maybe the guys in the band, you know? Um, and they joke when they see her, they joke and they're like, you probably think he's a nice guy, but he's a real jerk, you know? Right. Like, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I probably was when I was 11 weeks into a hot summer U.S. tour. I probably was a jerk, but so were you. Air conditioning in the van at all. Right. <laughs> so you open you open the windows and it feels like a hair dryer is blowing on you, oh, you know. Man. But <laughs> so yeah, I I would I don't I don't argue that and say no it wasn't I was always really nice I was like yeah I probably was a jerk yeah <laughs> you know yeah for sure so uh, and so you did this yeah. other band were there any other bands that you had were doing in between before you guys started doing the um, the other shows the newer shows. As Rorschach. I, I kind of gave up the band thing and I got really into martial arts and I just kind of stuck with that. Oh, wow. Um, so I felt like I just, I, the collaboration thing wasn't for me anymore. Right. I like, it had run its course and I had kind of just felt like I I am still impassioned and love and 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 uh, have the same feelings about music I always did. I just don't feel the same desire to play it. Right. Um, and be in a band and be and play shows. Um, I just nor do and I don't have the mental or physical energy or time to put into it yeah. to, to do it right. So I just kind of let that go. Um, and and just pursued other things um whether it was the record label i I did a record label through that i kind of still do i do martial arts i sell records i'm like uh my wife and i put on record fairs in my town we're really into you know we're really i'm really into record collecting and record buying and selling so uh, you know i i keep the music thing is still alive in me i just don't necessarily um I'm not necessarily, or the the part of me that used to be fulfilled by being in a band isn't. That's not necessary for me anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't have the desire or the energy to be in a band anymore. I, yeah. It's a different difference. Being in a band now is different. I, it would take a lot a very long learning curve for me to get to understand like digital marketing and Instagram and SoundCloud and. Yes. All that stuff that, that people rely on to get big. So I you know, I I'm I don't want to sound like a you know, somebody's grandfather, but it's like yeah. I it, that stuff just it's annoy it annoys me and I don't wanna be part of it. I, I'm, um, I'm about to turn forty nine and I have to know how to do all of that stuff because I do the podcast. Right. So it's like Right. Like I have to be on top of stuff that 12, 13, 14 year old kids are on top of and it's like it's a very it's very it's interesting because like new social media apps pop up constantly so it's like you're always trying to keep the the ball right. rolling with 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 what I you're have, doing artistically you know so it's I have a, I have twin do- I have twin daughters that are <laughs> that are 
six months away from being teenagers. Oh wow! And they will they will regularly be be grabbing my phone for me, being like, "Give me that, let me do it." Yeah. And they'll like know some shortcut and swipe that I, that will like make me feel like I <laughs> have never used an electronic device in my life. And they'll look at me like you're you know yeah. dummy, <laughs> you know. Um, so you know, that's I think that's natural. Yeah. Uh, I still remember I still remember being a 10 or 11 year old and my house getting an Atari 2600 right. and being able, being able to play Space Invaders and then my dad would get the joystick and press the button with his index finger and you'd be like no it's in your thumb you know you're doing it wrong you're holding it you're holding it wrong yeah. you know so that I, that's you know I guess it's natural that uh, that you should feel that way when your kids get to that age so I'm not I'm not too bummed by it but it is a, you know right it's so, a bit humbling so you said now you uh you're still doing a record label and you do some other record stuff what's a record label that you're that you uh run so we i've been doing a label called gern blanston since 92 okay but the last five or ten years has kind of been more of a reissue kind of holding pattern okay it's the the, the music industry took a real those died when digital yep. music kind of came in and the CDs went out and I'm, I'm in the process of I'm, I'm probably in the next couple of months going to be doing a whole bunch of sales of CDs for charity just to get rid of them and I, I want people to hear the music but you know I don't have the heart to throw this stuff out right. and if people want to buy it I just you know do it for charity and give the money to charity so um that probably will be my my next my next venture um i still have some some vinyl sticking around i you know it started in 92 i i was i did bands records by you know uh bands from the abc and Rio scene when it started when i started the label and then it turned into kind of a mid-90s uh after the ABC, uh, there was a club in Manhattan called Brownies, and there was a different scene happening then. Uh, so, I, you know, I got involved with a lot of bands there. That's just kind of, those bands broke up, and those members started new bands, and, you know, forward and more forward. And oh, then wow. uh, now I'm kind of in a, you know, I, in some cases I'll just, anything I put out that, in the last couple of years have mostly been reissues. Okay. Um, so uh, trying to keep it alive, but like I said, it's not a, not a friendly environment. No, no, Even no. pre-COVID, pre-quarantine, yes. pre <laughs> when, even when record stores were open, it was. Yeah, it was looking rough, for sure. That would be there. I dedicate. I'm sorry. I, I hit mute by accident. No, that's I dedicate right. much time, as much time. Yes. I dedicate as much time as I can tolerate to it. So. Yeah. So, well, shoot, Charles, man, that's. I mean, we got the we got what we needed. I mean, and I told you it wouldn't take that long. I've uh, I've been doing this, like I said, this for six years now. So I kind of gotten to a point to where I, you know, don't try not to ask too many. Uh, boring questions, hopefully questions that make you kind of remember some some good things, uh, and 
Hopefully it was a nice little trip back for you, uh, answering my my silly questions as a fan. I appreciate your time. Yeah, hopefully you can get in touch with some of the other members and, and no. you know, yeah, have, wanna... them, have them refute, either refute or, or back up my story. <laughs> no, I have no problem with that at all. I'm, I like, I, I like, I did a, I did three separate members of Jawbox at three separate times. So it was like, it was so like, and they were all like maybe like two and a half years apart that I did them. So it's just nice. like, whenever when. Yeah, I work really hard. It usually takes me like a year to two years to get a band to say yes to do the podcast. So, <laughs> so it takes a little time, but I'm patient enough. But it's worth it. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I've I've talked to all of my heroes. Like I said, that helped me uh, be okay with someone who loves art, who wants to express myself through art. And to be okay with being that way and, and thinking the way that I think, uh, which was uh, I, I think, which was a little bit too humanist for the for the people that I grew up with. So they always thought I was a weird person. So when I started hanging out with punk rockers and stuff like that, so it was. Uh... <laughs> well, join the club. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah, it, it was. Uh... Yeah. Most of my family were like, they wore cowboy boots, so it was like, and I didn't, so I was definitely the weird one. <laughs> so, well, I think my parents were hoping it was a phase. Right. And here I am. Nope. Here it's, I am 30 years, it's 35 years later. It's for life, for sure. Yeah. But again, man, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you again, Charles Maggio. Well, thanks for, uh... Oh, man. Man, thank you. You let us stay at your house, you know, like... I mean that's I mean I remember that that's one of my those when those people when people did that stuff for us when we had no money like we really had nowhere to stay like people just trusted people and they just they took care of us and it was it meant a lot to me and that's what changed me a lot when I went on these tours is it it showed me the true humanity of of the scene and what and how hard we all work to take care of each other and support one another the best way that we can. Well, I'm glad you had that experience, because I did too. Yeah, man. Well, you have a wonderful night. I'll get in touch with the other, other ones. And again, thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got to do it. You take great care. Have fun with those teenagers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you have a wonderful evening. And best to you and your family, and you all be safe. Hopefully our our southern uh, governors will figure out how to figure out how to make things safe as well. So uh, we'll I get, hope so too. We'll get there someday. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Good luck. Yeah, Good appreciate luck. it, man. Good night. Bye. Well, that was Charles Maggio from Rorschach. And uh, I, the first part cut out for a second. There was a little glitch on my Zoom, so I apologize for that. I'll put the stuff up, information up later. I appreciate y'all's time. You have a great night. Thank you so much. Peace.